Hi, my name is Visha Cadell, and I'm bringing you Behind the Face of Success, a podcast that delves into the untold stories of people that have reached great heights in their careers and the decisions, whether good or bad, they took to get there. Now, I've been in the world of tech for some time, and it's often tough for me to see that there's not enough female tech founders or women in product teams creating for the digital platforms that we use. It's a well-known fact that there's a lot of unconscious bias in tech products developed through the lens of men. And there's growing evidence to suggest that female-founded businesses deliver better results financially than those founded by men. So why aren't we seeing more women either getting into this field or being seen? So for today's episode, I just had to bring a role model who is a female tech founder and a business owner to join me today. It's Pip Jameson. But let me start by telling you a little bit more about her. Pip Jameson is the founder and CEO of The Dots, a community platform described by Apple as networking for the modern world with 1 million members worldwide. Pip was named by the Sunday Times as one of the top 100 disruptive entrepreneurs innovating in their fields by Founders Forum as one of the inspiring 50 women in technology and by Adweek as one of the top trailblazing leaders having a positive impact on the world. Being a dyslexic soul female tech founder, Pip has put inclusivity at the DOTS core. The DOTS algorithm is based on positivity and kindness and is recognized as a welcome alternative to existing community networking platforms. And I cannot wait to speak to her. Hi, Pip. It is so good to see you. I'm so excited to have you on the podcast. Welcome. Oh, it's amazing to see you. Yeah, so chin in from my houseboat. And uh, yeah, it's lovely, lovely, lovely to hang out, darling. Oh, yeah. But I want to talk more about, well, this is a conversation all about tech founders and your role models and upbringing. So tell me a little bit more about you, how you grew up and your influences around you. So yeah, I'm a sole te- female tech founder now, but that's definitely not what I thought I was going to be when I was little. So I mean, God, I, I'm very dyslexic. So my childhood was really just trying to manage that. When I was about, um, well, when I was really young, my teachers were just saying I was stupid to my mother and bless my mum, she was having none of it. She's like, my daughter is not stupid. And by complete luck, she was working for a charity at the time that was educating kids. She used to do puppet shows in schools that educated kids on disabilities. And she used to go into schools and it was all around cerebral palsy. And even though someone has cerebral palsy, they're just like you. It's a physical challenge. Anyway, while she was working for that charity, she went to a talk on this thing called dyslexia. Now, this is the 80s. Like, no one knew what dyslexia was. And suddenly, mum was like, oh, my God, that's what Pip's got. So I was really, really lucky. I got diagnosed at, like, 7, 8. I do reflect that for every one of me, there's probably, well, there's tens, hundreds of thousands we left behind. But, yeah, my childhood was just trying to learn to read and try and cope with not being neurotypical, <laughs> basically. <laughs> yeah. I just look but I think that's the thing about having something that nobody can see right it's a hidden disability that nobody really can see and actually your teachers are supposed to encourage you but you know your mum found out about it and then did she bring it to the teacher did she help you through it 
Yeah, I had to go to a special school that yeah. went helped me through that. And, you know, it was really hard. But when I sort of, and I, I mean, I didn't really learn to read till I was 11. As a dyslexic person, we see and we hear differently. So you have to learn all these kind of skills that everyone else just takes for granted. But what was interesting now running a business, when I reflect on it, I it built in me this amazing level of perseverance and kind of grit determination because I've learned really young. If you work really hard at something, you can get there. And now I'm so grateful for that time because as dyslexics, we just tend to have higher levels of perseverance. When you run a business, it's an endless roller coaster of highs and lows. So perseverance is probably the key skill you need for running a business. <laughs> That's completely true, especially in like tricky times. You've got quite an interesting career history. Did you have ambitions to be a certain person in your career or Obviously, being quite young, you wouldn't think about a career. But like, who did you have in your mind? Well, it's so funny because, I, I mean, firstly, it was just trying to get through like an exam was like top of my mind. However, I was very lucky as well that I had a dad that never brought me up as a boy or a girl. He just brought me up as me. And actually, when I talk to or mentor other founders, I realize a lot of it is obviously around sort of imposter syndrome and my dad was helped me with that because he never stereotyped me and he just sort of believed in me so if there was like a role model when I was a kid it would definitely be my dad and he never you know my grandfather was a postman he never went to uni and he did really well in his career and he used to take me to his office and I it was all these like I have these magical memories of like doing the fax machine that's how old I am and you know that sort of stuff but he really involved me I mean he once started a new business he got me to meet all the different heads of different departments and I, I think I was only like 15 but it was such an amazing experience so Dad definitely put in me that one, you know, belief in myself, but also just a kind of appetite to work and and graft and you can achieve if you do. <laughs> wow, that is, he sounds like such a nice dad. <laughs> because also like having supportive parents is such a critical part of your growth, right? Because you do feel like that you can do anything if that's the case. You'd have to go down a linear career. You can go like, oh, I can explore what I want to do. But you're talk about your career history it's very different you've had very different roles <laughs> um well it was quite fun my dad actually worked in the creative industries and so my way of being a rebel is I decided to do a maths and economics degree um so that was my way of being a rebel I mean no one thought I'd ever go to uni it was like a miracle I went to be honest but yeah so I actually started in the civil service, I always wanted to leave the world a little better than I found it. That's always been what I want to do. And so my way when I was left uni to think about that was, oh, I'll join the government. And if I can join the government, I can have a positive impact. The reality of government, it is very bureaucratic and it would take me about 30 years to make any impact whatsoever. And I'm not that patient, if I'm honest. So, yeah, I started as a, an economist and mathematician for the British government, but then I jumped ship into the creative industry. So I was working for the Brit Awards and then for MTV in various roles. And it was actually at MTV that I started sort of in digital. So this is actually as social media was just emerging. You know, we had like MySpace was the first one and then Facebook. And I just was in a marketing, I originally started in a business role. I moved into the marketing team and we had no budget. So I was just learning how to hack Facebook basically and create stuff. And so that's where I started getting really in interested in kind of tech and digital spaces. But, you know, it's MTV was 
brilliant in terms of like it, it, they accelerate you very quickly to senior roles which is amazing but I just never had a purpose to it like you're just selling like jackass and it didn't feel quite right to me and so that was what then led me into starting my tech business and now this is my second tech business I just wanted to have something that had more of a deeper purpose and can I just say because I'm you know I'm obsessed with the dots and for anyone that doesn't know what the dots is it's like the creative version of LinkedIn the dots is so beautiful did you get a ping for me when I said this the dots is so beautiful like it's such a lovely platform to use that I actually want to go on it because I want to see like how it moves it's so good it's such a good smart efficient platform I'd love to know more about your journey into that sort of area of your life because I do think working in tech for some time I don't often come across a lot of female tech founders it's a huge deal to be able to be that female that is creating creating products and creating technology how'd you get into it Uh, absolutely I mean it's mental now I reflect that I run a tech company because I don't have a computer science degree I do math but I can't understand coding you know and I was never one of those people also that wanted to be an entrepreneur I just saw a real world problem and wanted to solve that problem and so I somewhat naively fell into the whole thing you know so I'm living proof that you do not need a computer science degree to run a tech company and actually a lot of female founders don't because there are very few women that do computer science degrees and so this is part of the problem and yeah you're right sadly there just aren't enough women but oh when you start looking at all the different cohorts I mean, it, it is primarily a white man's game if I'm honest now I mean what's been interesting about the whole journey is I've realized it's just about building a brilliant team around you and having a passion for what you're doing. So really what I wanted to do with the dots was open up opportunities to everyone. And so we pretty much started as profiles and jobs and people used to call us job porn, which is quite funny. Um, (laughs) um, So, but what I realized really quickly is actually the majority of jobs, particularly in the creative industries get filled through a network. And so I was doing my community a disservice by just having jobs because actually I needed to help them network and connect with each other. So we move very heavily into the kind of community space, helping our community connect online, but more importantly, helping them connect in the real world. So there's loads of amazing like events and things you can go to on the dots. What was then really fascinating is we then started getting approached by communities that existed in the real world already, had physical spaces and wanted to connect their communities. So we now license our technology to other platforms. So 180 The Strands, which is an amazing creative space in the middle of London with their tech provider, Soho Works, which is part of Soho House, with their tech provider, Freeze Art Fair, all these with the tech provider for UAL's alumni. But what's been really fascinating about the whole journey, I had no idea what I was doing and I still don't. You know, I've just kind of worked it out as I've gone along. For me, it's like I've always wanted to add value to people's lives and it's just sort of evolved from that. How do you keep improving and iterating? And I think that's really the key to being a successful tech founder, building a brilliant team, but improving and iterating based on the people or the companies you're serving and everything. I live on my platform, right? I listen to the community all the time and I'm constantly evolving the platform with the help of my amazing team to make it more beneficial for the people. And so you don't need to be a computer science. You do need to have geniuses surrounding you, but you don't need to be in that traditional computer science world to succeed. You don't need to be the person that has the answers to everything, but bring in smart people around you, trust them 
and that's your team and you are one team off the back of that and I think everybody believes in the goal and the purpose which is a positive platform which is the platform that you're building and then everyone's focused on that one thing right like it feels like whenever I meet people in your team everyone's singing from the same hymn sheet you know there's no one going oh no I think this is a very different type of platform everyone's bought in to what you started which is the purpose. You know, starting your own business is kind of also a risk. Like, how did you, getting deep now, but like, how did you feel about taking that risk? Because there's so much responsibility that comes into place, which is, first of all, you start something, you got to see it through, bringing other people along. What emotions were going through your mind when you were going through this process? Yeah, it's super interesting. Well, firstly, there's a something, there's a wonderful naivety that comes with youth. So I was in my 20s when I first started my first business. And there's that whole like, you just sort of just do it. And so whenever there's younger people that I chat to, like, this is the time because you don't have the kids, the mortgage, the other things that can come in later down the track. So it is easier to take risks. Also, what I realized is the one thing that really freaked me out was the fear of failure. <laughs> I remember when we first launched, I was so scared of putting it out there. Like, is anyone going to like it? Is anyone not going to like it? Like, it's this horrible fear. And what I've come to realize is that actually, like the people you love most in your life will be just so proud that you gave it a shot, whatever you do. And if people ever go, oh, that was a bit shit or that was a failure. I mean, do you really want them in your life? So whenever I'm like chatting or mentoring like founders coming through, I'm like, what is the, think about the worst that could happen with this. And actually when you do that, you're like, if there's people that are critical of you doing this, they're not the people you want in your life. You need the cheerleaders around you, you need the people that believe in you. And so that once I got sort of my brain over that fear of failure and went, actually, I'm just giving it a crack, then it was so much easier to operate um, day to day and it was like we may fail but we're giving it a crack and we haven't failed so it's great <laughs> <laughs> you've been absolutely amazing and you know you just talked about removing people that would offer negative thoughts from your life and actually you talked about that from a platform perspective in the past you know removing apps that kind of feed negative vibes in your life so you remove it but you do that with like people around you as well you've got a really strong support network because I think there's a lot of people that tend to be quite toxic in your life right and I've had that in my life I've found people that I feel like oh they're my friend but actually they're not your friend it's hard to separate yourself from that person how do you do that I mean the reality is is like a career and a job or starting a business is so hard right and it's constantly up and down the last thing you need is people being negative in your life both in the workplace and externally so I think I just made a conscious decision that I just didn't want to on a personal level surround myself with those sort of people and then I guess for a work level the first thing we do when we hire and it was so lovely what you said about my team is we do values fit first and actually most people don't pass that we are looking for positive people and I'm not talking about yes people I'm talking about people that focus on solutions not problems so we focus on that first because it then leads to a really positive collaborative no blame non-political working environment which means you just get on and do stuff as opposed to what happens in a lot of organizations that you're spending about 40 50 percent of your time like managing politics what an absolute inefficient use of time but I guess what weirdly with the platform itself 
I sort of, I guess, augmented my brain onto the platform because I wanted people to experience those, that positivity and help and support. So the way our algorithm works is basically it's based on positivity and kindness. So the kind of the community are, the higher they come up in search results. We use language a lot to kind of filter out not great words, okay words, good words. There's a lot of tech that goes behind that. But what I wanted to create was a really safe space that anyone could ask anything. And there's no such thing as a silly question. And what that's led to is just a really inclusive, kind, positive experience, which then means that we index very highly in terms of diverse communities because it's a safe space. This is not Twitter. It's the opposite of what Elon Musk, that awful man, is doing. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just throw that one in. <laughs> and it is. I've, I've seen that when I'm using it myself, which is people want to share more. They want to share their projects because also sharing your projects is a vulnerable thing to do. You kind of go through a lot of self-doubt when you've invested so much in your own creativity. I think that point about being positive, but in a problem-solving way is such an important skill set to have. I've been in situations as a team lead in previous businesses where it's quite frustrating when someone doesn't bring a solution to the table, they bring a problem. And then you're sort of sat there going like, what am I supposed to do with this? Help me solve this, but we need to solve it together. And I think the more like-minded people that want to fix problems, the better. But it is a skill set and not everybody has it. And it's one of those things where you need to create a safe environment when also people admit to their mistakes. We all make mistakes. I make mistakes all the time. And when I mark something up, I need to be able to talk to my team about it and work together on a solution. And I think that's where it gets really corrosive is where it becomes a blame game. It's like, I didn't do that. It was because of that. And then you don't know what the problem is, so you can't come up with a solution. So it's kind of accountability, it's kindness, it's collaboration, and it's working together on solutions. And it just makes coming to work every day a joy as well. I just love my team. They're just great. Yeah. And it's fun. It's fun solving problems. And you know, talking about mistakes, now that you've alluded to it, have you had a mistake that you'd be willing to share that you bounced back from, learnt from? Oh my gosh, I make mistakes all the I, I mean, I kind of think of the platform as like 1% of it worked and 99% of it was mistakes. And actually what's been lovely about now white labeling and training people to use our community solution and build communities is literally we kind of onboard them to not repeat all the mistakes I've made I think one of my things that I have challenges with is having to so my own environment is really positive but obviously you know I've got shareholders and I've got board and I've got clients and lots of stakeholders and I think mistakes I can make is that I'm just so think everyone's like me and so sometimes I've got to sort of work to their playbook a bit more and that's that that I find really challenging if I'm honest when I'm having to deal with not so nice people because I'm sort of one of those people which is like we can come up with a solution and then there's a political game over there I don't necessarily know what the solution is I never want to change myself and then play the political game so it's that sort of stuff is a challenge and I've made hiring mistakes and actually that's why we do values fit first now there's been times when I've interviewed someone and their skills are brilliant and we've done the values fit later down and I was like oh it's not quite right but you know what they're going to be great and they're never great they're never great if they, it's always it's always a mistake from the kind of values fit perspective but I think the most important thing is every time I make a state I actually have a sticky on my mac 
which has every mistake I've ever made and what I learned from it. So I've tried to always like change my mistakes into what's the learning from those mistakes because you have to make mistakes to learn, right? So I've literally got, it's called Mistakes Not to Repeat and it's just a full list of mistakes not to repeat. That is, what a smart idea. I might do that. I think it's so important to recognize those failures, those mistakes, because it's part of your growth. You get better. That's the point of it. You're learning from it. I'm so impressed by that. You also talk about adaptability to other people, which is also quite a tough thing to do, right? We're not always going to meet people that are going to look like us, sound like us, behave like us, be brought into our ideas. <laughs> Situations where people are like, well, you're more enthusiastic and they are like, do you want to just give me the spreadsheet? And it's, it's hard to like work with other personalities, right? I mean, you have to, everyone's different, but recognizing that is really important. Yeah. And I think it's natural and it's like a muscle, right? You learn from every situation and you build up that muscle and you kind of learn, you know, and I'm such a massive reader. I I find it really hard to read physical books, but I listen to a lot of audio books. I think my Audible is like over nine months of reading time now. Um, But whenever I'm having a challenging situation, I'll just read a book or listen to podcasts on it because I find that that then helps me think through solutions of how to deal with that situation. So like when I've negotiated investment rounds, there's two brilliant negotiation books that I've won. One's called Never Split the Difference. And that's just really helped me think through how to navigate, say, an irrational negotiator and do it better. (laughs) That is a really good tip. I'm going to download that myself. And audiobooks, you're right, is a really good way of doing it, especially when we live in a age of distraction where you could open up a book and I want I used to love books but I'll get past like a chapter and I'm like oh god I think I need to do something else but an audio book god there's a and podcasters course as well like there's such great ways of learning from other people you've had periods where you've been heavily invested in work but just generally in terms of like personal time as well as your work time and often they blend don't they So you've had to work on a Saturday, for example, so you can have your Sunday free and clear your mind. What's your methodology with work right now? I'm going to be really honest. I haven't worked that one out yet. When you start a business and when you have aspirations to scale that business, it, you know, you do have to put your, and I just want to be honest with everyone. I don't know an entrepreneur that's built a kind of a big business without giving up other things you can be a sole entrepreneur or a freelancer or a side hustler and I think actually the most important thing to think about when you're starting a business is what life do you want because if you want you know work-life balance going for like a scaling tech company is probably not the right decision that's the reality Um, I don't know anyone who's done it that way so as you said I I work six days a week Um, I take my Sundays off but I've had to sacrifice a lot you know my best friends see me for like Christmas parties once a year but that's actually lovely because they're amazing and they don't mind and they're just proud of what I've done you know I I sacrifice seeing friends and family and my husband and you know I haven't had children I do have frozen embryos but I haven't had children (laughs) me too Um, so yeah oh do you have frozen embryos yeah yeah (gasps) did the increasing yeah we should talk about that too. <laughs> we should talk about that too. So yeah, they're in the bank for if I decide one day. Still not sure if I want them to be honest, but 
Um, yeah. yeah, so I've had to sacrifice a lot, but I've had so many amazing, I'm so privileged with the life I get to live, right? I get to do the most incredible things and meet the most incredible people. And my team is my family in a way. And, you know, I've decided that that is really brilliant. And, but yeah, I don't know anyone who's managed to have a bigger business and still manage that work-life balance. Yeah. Um, if no. someone's listening who has, please share tips because I need them. I was speaking to somebody about burnout actually, and they said, you can't experience burnout if you are got the love and you believe in the values or something because you're working towards something that's a passion. I don't know whether that's true or not, but sometimes you can have quite a negative feeling towards a company or the goal and you're still having to work towards it. You're working all hours. Do you think there is a connection between that? Yeah, I mean, I think I think having like a really clear purpose and something you believe in definitely gives you more energy to do it more. But there's always a limit, right? I have definitely burnt and I, you know, I've been so close to the brink so many times. And usually it's when there's something that's pretty awful going on in the business. So, for example, I hate raising investment. I've done it three times now. It's a horrible process. I'm always very burnt out when that comes to the close the other thing is you know when covid hit our original business model is we used to make money from people recruiting and finding talent on the dots obviously no one was hiring so my literally all my revenue not all my revenue but a lot of my revenue disappeared and that was an unbelievably stressful time we got through it i kept everyone didn't furlough anyone it was amazing and that's actually when we started licensing our tech to other brands but yeah, I think those are the times that I get close to burnout, partly because also it's like you're in a struggle to survive. So you have to keep going. There, there can't be downtime. That's when Sundays you start working on Sundays because you're either going to push it through or the business won't be there. And back to your original point of it's not just me, right? It's my team. They have children. They've got mortgages. And then it's my community. Like I can't fail for them, right? They're there. They're they their network that I can't so I ha you have to and but burnout can come even with a really clear purpose obviously yeah that's so interesting that you mentioned other people because they kept you going and you felt like you were doing it for them but also to your point it's hard when you've had to diversify your business and think differently from the model and recreate a model and then go back to a different model it takes a lot of your time, your energy, your willpower to do that. How do you stay inspired and motivated to keep doing the next thing? Uh, I mean, for me, firstly, I have to have my Sundays and my sacred day. It like reboots me. So I'm really lucky that we we bought a little patch of woodland in East Sussex. So I basically wanted to take the business carbon neutral. My husband's an environmental consultant. He was looking at offset schemes. And uh, he said, oh, I don't know where the money's going to go. So he goes, should we buy a wood? I was like, all right. Who knew there was a zoopla for woodlands? Um, we can't do anything on it apart from plant trees. But that's my, like, happy place. I go as soon as I'm in nature, it just reboots me. So that kind of keeps me going. And actually, the thing that keeps me going is my community. I, I, it was so funny. I bumped into someone. We just launched with 180 The Strands community. And I bumped into someone. They're like, you got back to me in a DM. 
is that you? And I was like, yes, it is me. And actually, one of my favorite things is to be on the products. And we've got the dots now, but we actually have 23 other products, white label products. And I love being on there because it just gives me motivation to keep going. And someone sends me a nice message about the product or that they found an opportunity or they found an investor. or And that just like keeps me going day to day. And again, I have to push this through because I have to keep looking after the people that are on our communities. So country air, that's one thing. And then also interaction with the people that are using your platform. That's incredible. Also, when you get to the country, I don't know whether you ever feel this, but you feel like, oh, it's karma. Like London is makes me sometimes a little bit anxious, you know? Oh my God. And it's so great because it's crazy and there's so many ideas, but I need to go and hug a tree. And I do actually hug a tree. (laughs) I love that. Have you ever done energy mapping? No, but it sounds amazing. So this is something where you like, you get your energy read. And my energy told me that apparently I was too charged by electricity because I'm always around a laptop or a phone. So you have to go to a park, take off your shoes, take off your socks and like walk around and start to feel grounded. And to your point, hug a tree. How cool is that? That's mental. So so that's kind of what I've been doing. It's just through my body instead of the other way. Now, I just um, there's actually this amazing research about being in nature and woodlands, about how good it's for your mental health. But one of the other things, um, trees emit basically this a vapor, I guess, that it is actually really good for your health. It helps with your immunity. So it's also good in terms of fighting sickness and health. And I don't really get sick. And I think it's simply down to going to nature but also that I have loads of ginger shots. You know, going back to the journey that you've taken and where you are now, you know, there's lots of people that will probably be like, wow, how can I do what Pip has done? And you've given some amazing insights so far. But if you had to drop three top tips or you could, of course, give more if you'd like, if you're feeling generous, but like if somebody wanted to get into this field, what would they have to do? Definitely perseverance. And so I think the only reason I am where I am is literally I've put one foot in front of the other and I've just kept going. And sometimes you get blown backwards and you just put one foot. So definitely perseverance is for anyone who's starting a business. That is the key. Kindness. I I can't even tell you how many times someone in my life has come and helped me when I've needed it because I helped them years ago. And it was never, it was never a conscious thing. It was literally just a, oh, I just want to help this person with something. And then suddenly they're doing something else and they're helping me. And I really believe in the power of reciprocity, uh, giving and, you know, that whole, like, just be a nice person and just do it for everyone. Everyone you can help, try. And then my, oh, third word, if you've got a dream, just do it. I mean, the, the reality is, is you'll just be so proud that you give it, gave it a shot. And journeys are hard, but it's really magical. And so, yeah, I think it's just don't be afraid and go for it. And sorry, I'm going to use one more as well. It's definitely community. I am still in business because of the people that are around me. And that's my personal community going, you've got this. But this is also my group of kind of people in my life in the work sense that I can call on for advice and support. And that I can't even tell you how powerful that is. As founders, we all go through the same shit at different times. So having a community to help 
navigate the highs and lows is really, really wonderful. I think it's so important. I often talk about trusted advisors in my time. I've always leaned into people that have more experience than me, uh, perhaps, and then give me like their experience too. And also like just say, I went through that. (laughs) It's when someone says that, you're like, oh, it's not just me. Everyone is the same stuff. I, and funnily enough, sometimes that's the most powerful thing. It's like, I'm not alone. Everyone, yeah. does, like, everyone deals with it. I'm actually in something called a cube. And it was something that's set up in a tech founder thing I'm part of. And uh, we're eight founders, all in tech, all at the same stage, but in non-competing industries. So someone's in crypto, someone's in Bitcoin, someone's actually was in e-com and now a VC. Anyway, we catch up every month. We have to, it's like a priority in our calendar and we share our deepest, darkest fears. And what we then do is we each share and then we decide on one topic to deep dive on. And the key to the cube is you're never allowed to give advice. You just have to say, when I went through something similar, this is how I managed it. And so you then get like seven perspectives on a challenge and it is amazing um it's strict confidentiality because you have to be able to tell the worst things that are going on in your personal professional and work life and I've been with my cube for coming up to four years now and they're like my family they they're just the most amazing people because I know that I've got a support network whenever I need it in the darkest days what an incredible way I want to start a cube myself now because that is I love the fact that it's like sharing a perspective or like you know this has happened to me versus advice also the fact that you keep going back to these people because you're building trust to be able to share more because it takes a little while to be so revealing and vulnerable in that way I mean, it took us at least three months till it really got deep. And that actually, we did a retreat before that. We all went on holiday for a weekend before that. And that's when it started getting really deep. And I think what's so interesting, exactly what you were saying, like advice is easy to give, right? You can read something, but unless you've actually lived it, how do you know? And so that's the magical. And also when you've lived it, you've made the mistakes from it. The advice is how to solve it. But actually most the time when you're trying to solve a problem you're trying to avoid the mistakes and so actually it means that you're getting perspectives on ways that didn't work as much as ways that did and that's really powerful that is fascinating you know one of the things that you also talk about quite a lot and champion a lot in the industry is diversity diversity not only just neurodiversity but diversity across the board and we've talked quite a lot about people that aren't able to make for products or just generally in you know, my background is marketing. So, you know, I want more diverse people in marketing, for example. This an underrepresented community that you'd love to welcome more into your field of work. What community would those be? Oh, my God. I mean, tech is pretty appalling. Um, I know. I'd like to say it's getting better, but it's not. It will, by the way, for anyone listening to this, there is a rank. There's this amazing army coming through, but at my level, unfortunately not. Oh, I don't think I could choose one group i think actually what i think the most important thing for tech is we need diverse perspectives and backgrounds most importantly because tech should be solving the world's biggest problems right and if we're all coming from the same places and have the same backgrounds we're only solving problems for the affluent few and i think that is the most important thing like one of my actually cubers is this amazing 
man called Obi and he ran a, well, he started a Bitcoin trading company, but he now runs Jay-Z and Jack Dorsey's Bitcoin fund. And he's redistributing Bitcoin into Africa. And Bitcoin is amazing in Africa because crypto, like the problem is in developing nations, there's huge hyperinflation. And while crypto sounds like it's risky, that's not as risky as actually having a currency that won't be worth anything. And so he's developing technology to make it less risky to basically deploy across developing nations. And sorry, why am I telling this story? That's amazing because Obi understands, he's from Kenya, he understands, his family's over there, he understands the problem and he's developing a solution for that community. And we just have too many solutions for affluent white people, <laughs> basically. Yeah. And we don't need another e-com site. And I love the point that you made, which is diversity of thought is so incredible, important, because it does sometimes bother me that it's, you know, we focus so much on not just gender and ethnicity. It's actually people from different economic backgrounds and across the world. It's diversity of thought across the board. And I love the fact that you brought that up because you're right. This is, society is colorful and rich and interesting. And tech is supposed to be representing society and being able to service society and that's why diversity of thought is so so important so I love the fact that you actually just said that. Visha you know the kind of tech ecosystem but I think I've spent a, a, a bit of time in Silicon Valley in the US and I remember when I first went to Facebook and we were shown round, and they were so proud it had been designed by the guy who did Disneyland and I was there going oh my god this is awful they're like literally they're in this bubble of Disneyland developing tech solutions for the world and they're not connected to the world and it was just one of these things that I was like this is really quite scary and I think you know that's part of Meta's problem and so you know I think that's the most important thing is we, we need businesses popping up everywhere and we need diverse brains building those businesses to make solutions not more problems. <laughs> A hundred percent. And, you know, you're talking about neurodiversity as well as, as a different type of diversity. Not everybody kind of understands it because it's still quite hidden. Like a lot of people don't feel comfortable sharing it. In your signature, you actually put in delightfully dyslexic. And it means that people feel like, right, I know exactly how to communicate with, with Pip and also what to expect from you too. But not everybody does that or feels comfortable doing that? What advice would you give to somebody that might want to have better self-awareness in the workplace? What's been magical about that email signature is like loads of my community have started using it. And actually what it also happened is my team then became more comfortable being open about their differences, right? And so that was lovely. So if you feel like using something like that, definitely you can totally have it. I do totally understand, though, also if you don't feel comfortable. You know, it's a really challenging thing to be open about. What I think, though, is that the industry is changing, maybe not as fast as I want it to, but it is changing. And the best employers should be accommodating stroke actually leaning into your strengths of I'm talking specifically with neurodiversity there's so many strengths with neurodiversities there's lots of challenges too but they should be helping with the challenges and leaning into your strengths but it's tough right I think biz bigger businesses are better just because they do have more resourcing unfortunately and I'm uh, and I wish that was different, but I think I reflect on the government actually gave me a lot of support when I was first starting out in my career. And this is back in the, you know, 
early noughties. So like I, it was a good place for me to land, even though a civil service career wasn't going to be for me long term. <laughs> I think you're right about some smaller businesses because you're so focused on trying to make the business work. You do don't put this at the forefront, whereas bigger businesses, there is a responsibility to be able to do that because there's more resourcing. There's a bigger HR team, diversity inclusion teams, things like that fine training in and it's yeah it's a tough one but I think the more people are aware of what trainings are available or just even aware of it they can actually start to work better together because part of that and the reason why I even brought this question up is because you know we need to adapt to each other so we can be successful in the workplace and we can make friends in the workplace and that starts with getting to know who that person is how can I support you how can you support me and that's why Risha you're a great leader because it's all about you know leadership is all about just being open about it we all have weaknesses massive weaknesses and problems and all of that and I've found that being open about that has meant that my team can be open about that because you can't all be amazing all the time and life impacts challenges impact but if you all work together it's magical and I think and I'm going back to the bigger business thing, like, yeah, bigger businesses can be more equipped for it also just because you can specialize more. And then smaller businesses, you tend to have to do more multitasking, which means maybe there's something like I could never I'll probably be in a smaller stage startup because I can't copyright. I can't write. I'm lucky I've got a team around me. I'm saying that the best smaller business are more diverse, though. And so there's sort of like that. It is really important also to have fully diverse teams as you're starting up. But you just might not get as much support. You might need to look for it externally. You also talked quite a lot about banishing social media pressures uh, from yourself. You've deleted apps when you've not wanted to be around them. And the reason why I brought that up is because you've got a positive algorithm. And I was talking to a student who said, you know, when she's on another platform, she actually referred to TikTok in that instance. And whenever she's on there, somebody else will click on something negative. She's then got access to it because it shows up on her feed. And it's a constant loop of people being really horrible and, and it brought her down. And how do you keep away from negative feeds and content? I mean, I just delete them. I deleted Twitter. I don't, I'm not on Facebook. I'm on Insta every now and again, but to post, I just don't go near it. They're just not on my home screen. So, you know, Insta's just not on my home screen. Um, yeah, I mean, they're just, I mean, they're, they're, they're just gamified to suck you in. And then also for your mental health, if you get down some rabbit hole, which is negative, that's just horrific. So, yeah, I just remove them from my home screen and just focus on building a product that is the opposite of what that is. Like what I, I never with all of our, you know, the products that we have in the communities, we I never wanted them to be on some crazy like reel where they've just lost two hours. That's a total waste of your life. I want someone to come to every one of my product and get help and support if they need it and not have to come back until they need it again. That's what I'm really passionate about is actually giving value to people's lives and not getting tricking them into being on there for three hours and then being up at two in the morning and going, what did I just do? <laughs> yeah. Oh my God, I love that. Giving value to other people's lives. Well, Pip, thank you so much for all the incredible insight that you've given me today. And to anyone that's listening, I think I've learned so much from this. So I just want to say thank you for your time. I know you've got so much going on, so many big projects launching, which I'm excited to see. It's also lovely to see you. So thank you. Oh, it's been so lovely. Big virtual hug. <laughs>
Hello, thank you for listening to Behind the Face of Success. I hope you've enjoyed it just as much as I have. If possible, please can I ask you to rate, review and subscribe to these podcasts as it actually helps more people find them and look out for the next episode next week.